battle in the heart of Alabama caught our attention. Coal miners in one community, they've been on strike now for months. Working as long as 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in some of the most dangerous conditions. I really think that the labor movement is the single greatest force for democracy in the history of the United States. The story of Alabama is a story of not just resilience, but of militancy. I If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. All right, folks, you are here with The Valley Labor Report. My name is Adam Keller, and I am here with one of Alabama's uh, state house candidates, Steve Hubbard. And I really appreciate Steve joining us today. I appreciate all of you who are listening to the Valley Labor Report. We are Alabama's only union talk radio program. Uh, And we have had a series of candidate interviews for the 2022 elections. We're talking to candidates from across the state and asking what they have to say to working class people of Alabama. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, when we start out, I just want to know if you could introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know there's at least one thing we have in common. We're both former educators. So Mm -hmm. you could tell us a little bit more about your background and and who you are. Well, uh, uh, I'm Steve Hubbard. I uh, am a retired English instructor. I've taught for more than 30 years at Learning B. Wallace Community College in Andalusia. I am originally from uh, Bibb County, the Centerville Brent area. Um, I have an uh, undergrad degree in English uh, from the University of Montevallo. Uh, did ma- I did my master's at, at Alabama and uh, got the job at, at, at Learning B. Wallace Community College or Junior College then, 1984. Um, uh, later, went back to university and uh, completed uh, doctoral work, a PhD in English at, at Gantt University of Alabama. And um, <clears throat> I taught it at the community college until 2017 when I re- retired. Uh, I have been involved, uh, particularly since retirement in democratic politics, uh, though I have been a Democrat um, all of, virtually all of my adult life. I, I made a slip or two uh, a few times, uh, only once at the presidential level, uh, and but I have uh, I have changed my ways and have not done that again. As, um, and uh, you know, I believe the Democratic Party is the party for uh, for working men and women, uh, teachers, but also factory workers, uh, uh, skilled laborers, craftsmen, uh, theater workers like you work with, Adam. Um, you know, I think I think we are the party of average people. I think we have been, uh, gosh, um, forever, really. Uh, I'm not sure that when it all boils down to it, that we're that it's um, that really the Republican Party of today is a whole lot different, say, from the Republican Party of the 1920s and 1930s. You know, for the bosses, uh, for the big shots, big financial big shots, um, but not so much for the. Um, not so much for the working man and woman. So um, I, I am a lifelong Democrat. Um, and since retirement, I have worked 
good bit in, Alabama, in Democratic politics. I am the secretary of the Covington County Democratic Party. My wife is the former chair of the Covington County Democratic Party. Um, we worked on Doug Jones's campaign locally both times. And, uh, and then we worked, I was treasurer for a local guy who ran for county commission in 2020. Um, and so um, there was an open seat in the legislature and uh, for this for this particular seat, the fellow who was the representative ran for state senate, and um, it just looked like the right time to me. Um, you know, there are great needs in our country as well, and um, you know, I saw a need to try to help bring some balance to the Alabama legislature. I think um, this one party rule uh, is not really healthy for Alabama, or for that matter, for the country. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you filling us in. Uh, you have quite the extensive career in education, uh, which, you know, obviously uh, is, is something that I can relate to as a former mm -hmm. educator myself and former educator uh, advocate. And, you know, especially you teaching at the junior college level, you were with uh, working class families, those oh, were the, yeah. the folks that you were yeah. uh, working with. And, um, and it sounds like you've been pretty involved in Alabama politics, especially these mm -hmm. last several years. Yes, I, and I have been a member of the State Democratic Executive Committee. I, I, I'm not right now. I, I did not run um, for, for, for a term this time since I'm running for this particular office. But I have been a member of the State Democratic Executive Committee. Awesome. All right. Yeah. So uh, appreciate you filling us in on your background. And uh, before we get any further into more about what you're running on, could you tell us about your district? Uh, which state house district are you running in uh, and where is that located? Uh, this is House District 92. It's in South Central Alabama. Uh, it includes all of Covington County. Um, I'm in Andalusia, the county seat of Covington County. Um, it, it also includes uh, a good swath of, of Eastern Escambia County, uh, the largest town in, in Escambia County that's in my district uh, is East Bruton. Uh, the district does not include Bruton per se. Um, and um, in Coffee County, uh, just a rather narrow uh, sliver of the western part uh, includes uh, uh, the town of Kinston and then a few um, smaller places. It's a very rural area. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask if, if you would call it a very rural area. Um, so South Central Alabama there, uh, Coffee, Covington and Escambia counties are covered in right. your district. So, Steve, tell us about your platform. What are you running on? Uh, what what are some of your priorities as a candidate? Well, um, my priorities uh, ha have to do with making some changes that I think would be uh, Good for everybody, but uh, uh, particularly those on the um, those we would call working class folks. Um, um, I am in favor of removing the sales tax on groceries. That's the state's four percent sales tax on groceries, and I realize that that money would come out of the education trust fund if if we were just going to leave it at that and and deprive the the education trust fund, I would not be in favor of it. But there is bipartisan legislation in the, I think in each house of the legislature that would remove the state 
uh, sales tax and uh, replace it uh, by capping the amount of deduction that's allowed in the state form for federal income tax. Uh, it would be $4,000 uh, limit for individuals and $8,000 limit for couples. I would support that. Um, you know, the, um, I know Alabama Arise has done extensive work on this, and, um, and they certainly advocate for it. I'm a member of Alabama Arise. And, um, you know, I, I, we're talking about probably two weeks worth of groceries uh, that, that that sales tax amounts to each year. And when I heard that, I, I read that, I was, I was kind of startled that it was that much. Um, and, you know, maybe we're just talking about $5 or $10 a week on a trip to the grocery store. But still, uh, with food prices having gone up, um, it would feel better to be paying a little bit less and removing that sales tax would help along that line. That's one priority. Um, another high priority for me uh, is expanding Medicaid. Um, the governor, as I understand it, could do this with stroke of a pen. Uh, so far, she has not done this. She has been encouraged mightily. <laughs> Lots of groups, I think, including Arise, have tried to persuade her to do that. But, um, you know, I think, you know, maybe legislative action needs to be taken. Um, we need to expand Medicaid for a, a number of reasons. Um, <clears throat> there are close to 300,000 Alabamians who are either uninsured or underinsured that we know about. Uh, many of these people are low-wage workers. Uh, they're part-time workers. Um, we could expand Medicaid and cover them. Um, expanding Medicaid would create tens of thousands of jobs over the next five, six years, at least according to a report issued by the Public Affairs Research Council of Alabama and a, and a business research group based at Jacksonville State. And, um, you know, we're talking, say, $20,000, uh, I'm sorry, 20,000 new jobs a year. I think that's what Parker estimates. Um, you divide 20,000 by Alabama's 67 counties. I think that's about 197, 198 jobs per county. You know, I don't expect a rural place like Covington County to get 197 jobs a year. But if we got 40 jobs a year, uh, and I realize Montgomery, Birmingham, Huntsville will get you know a lot more, that's fine. But if we got 40 jobs a year uh, over the next uh, five, six years, that would be a tremendous economic boom in this place. Um, and I'd like to see that happen. Yeah, and I think one other argument for expanding Medicaid is, you know, really, we're already paying for it, or at least helping pay for it, because we pay federal taxes. And, um, you know, you've got, I think, about 39 or 40, maybe 30, may, may just be 38, but I think it's it maybe 39 or 40 of 50 states plus District of Columbia have expanded it. And um, we ought to do that, too. It, it just makes economic sense as well as uh, humanitarian sense. It's the right thing to do. Um, voting rights are very important to me. I, I have been disturbed by, um, by um, well, I was disturbed during the, the Trump presidency about uh, attacks on democracy, attacks on verifiable truth, it seemed to me. Uh, and I was certainly disturbed uh, by the attempts to uh, challenge the uh, the 2020 election. Uh, not so much the challenging in court, 
Uh, I mean, that was perfectly legal to do that, but, uh, you know, the continued denial by the former president and by so many people, even at the state level, um, uh, um, you know, for whatever reason, I feel like a lot of people know better. A lot of people in, in office know better, but they're, they're playing along. And that, that's really disturbing. I think democracy depends on truth. And um, so I would, you know, I would want to be a voice not for curtailing the right to vote, which is what we see, I think, in some, some states, you know, particularly those states that want to say, well, the legislature can have final say as to whether this vote counts. Um, but rather, we should be expanding the right to vote, making it easier to vote. You know, we should have, for example, we should have weekend voting, the weekend before um, election day. Uh, we should have, as we had during the pandemic, uh, no excuse absentee voting. Um, these are these are things that we that we need to do to increase participation in our democracy, not 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 curtail it. So that's a big that's a big issue with me. Absolutely. Um, I would say those are the top three for me. Um, um, you know, in turn, but you, what's your next question? And I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, but I've left out here. Well, no, I think that was uh, that was great in terms of your top three priorities: Medicaid expansion and um, looking at expanding voting rights and removing that state sales grocery tax. Those are all things that we've discussed on the show. Um, and I'm also a fellow member of Alabama Rise. And, and you're, you're right that it's just such a no brainer. Um, really all three of those. But, um, you know, when it comes to Medicaid expansion, I know that for rural areas such as your district, it, it right. could be a game changer. It, it really could. It really could. And, and you know, to, to me, it makes sense for, for small businesses as well. I'm sure there are many uh, small businesses, uh, you know, that probably can't afford to offer health insurance, um, and they're not required by law. I don't believe unless they have what is it, fifty employees, employees who are working a certain amount of hours per week. I believe at least mm -hmm. thirty hours per week, right? So there's mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of workers who are caught in that gap, right? And, and right, if you're a small business owner and and some of your workers could get Medicaid. So that yeah. they're covered with health insurance, right. right? That only helps you. That's right. And, and ideally, um, you know, these workers will move into positions where they're making enough money they will qualify to be on the exchanges and they can buy, you know, they can buy health insurance through the exchanges or they will move into employment that, that does provide affordable health care. You know, ideally. I certainly um, would advocate some, some um, much needed and long overdue in my opinion changes to the minimum wage we need we need a higher minimum wage um, i wish the federal government would do it so that it would apply nationwide so that the minimum wage would be uh, a living wage um, but you know some states have done it and um, it would be a good thing if alabama did it uh, birmingham tried to do it but because we have a well, you know, as I understand it, because we have a, uh, a state constitution that concentrates so much uh, power in Montgomery rather than in local areas, you know, these, um, these counties and municipalities don't have the power to, to do that. 
Right. I was, you know, one of many people uh, involved in raise the wage campaigns back during that time. And um, it was yet another example of the state legislature intervening. You know, these are folks who talk about small government, but when Mm -hmm. cities and counties do something they don't like, suddenly uh, big government's okay. That's right. um, I think what you're what you're describing in terms of the minimum wage in Alabama, uh, we are in. essentially subsidizing the low wages of mm-hmm. employers like Walmart uh, and Amazon and others um, right. because, you know, these companies that are paying sub living wages, those, em- those workers are, are having to turn to Medicaid and to food stamps mm-hmm. and to other social yeah. services. And so, um, you know, the, the, it's just a question of, of how do we want to move forward in a way right. where working class people can afford to have a decent life. Yeah. I, I grew up in a working class family. Um, um, my father had an eighth grade education. Now, he was born over 100 years ago. He was born in 1908. Uh, he was a bright man. He read every day. Uh, we took the Birmingham Post-Herald, paper that doesn't exist anymore, but great paper, and uh, and he read it every day. And um, uh, my mother did have a high school education and some business college education. And I had um, teachers in my family on both sides of the, of the, of the house. Um, but again, you know, working class who very much valued an education and um, um, in, in my father's case, you know, uh, it was often, he was an electrician and he did really good work. He was an electrician for a lumber company in Serval for many, many years uh, from the 40s until well into the 1970s. Um, though the company changed hands, he stayed there. And, um, um, and he, um, there, there were times when there was, uh, you know, struggle. My mother particularly felt like he ought to be making more and, you know, it just it, employers were reluctant. I mean, they they give him a little bit every now and then, uh, but you know, he he supplemented his income by by doing electrical work um, uh, outside the his regular job. When he get off from work, he'd um, you know maybe work on wiring the house, or he he'd repair, he'd put in some extra plugs or whatever folks needed. He was quite popular, and uh, I mean, we did okay. Uh, we we never did without, but. Um, and, you know, I, I understand, I think, you know, rather viscerally what, what it means to um, to be working class. And, you know, and, and, and despite what some people may say, uh, college instructors, or at least English instructors, you know, we put in a good bit, we, we put in a good bit of work, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, whether you're white collar or blue collar or, or something yeah. in between, you know, if you have to to go to work and report to somebody else and and sell your labor for a living, um, that's right. Then you know you're working class, and I think that's it's right. important that we can, you know, build solidarity across some of those divisions, so that English instructors uh-huh. and coal miners um, are are working together for common interests. And I think that's right. You know, that's right. Priorities such as expanding Medicaid and, and making it easier to vote and, and raising minimum wages. Um, those are issues that I think should resonate with, with folks, um, you know, a broad spectrum of folks. That's right. I, I think we need to look, too, at, um, <clears throat> at bringing in 
jobs of the future. They're really not so much the future now. They're 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 here. The future is in a sense the future is now. I know that's uh, who's that sound like Alan? Uh, is it Toffler from the nineteen Alvin Toffler maybe from the nineteen seventies or so? Future shock. I'm dating myself here. Um, uh, um, you know, we the state needs to be taking the lead, leading by example uh, for uh, uh, climate smart policies and and green jobs. We need to be recruiting green jobs. These are jobs that wouldn't necessarily uh, require a college degree. It might require some technical training. Um, some of them would, I'm sure, require a college degree. Um, but we need to be doing this throughout the state. We've got a lot of sunshine in Alabama. Uh, we, we have, um, so far, still abundant, um, abundant water, thank goodness. Um, um, and I think we need to be moving in that direction. Um, we need to be moving towards, for example, at the state level, we need to be transitioning, in my opinion, transitioning the state fleet to, uh, to more and more electric vehicles. And we need to be making electric charging stations available uh, all up and down the interstate and, and elsewhere as well. And, um, and, you know, I think that would also mean jobs as well. Uh, to have uh, more electric vehicles and, and more charging stations. Um, I heard today on the news that uh, this was, I think, from Secretary of um, Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, Secretary of Energy. She's in the president's cabinet. Um, she was announcing that um, um, uh, car batteries, batteries, uh, you know, to run electric vehicles are going to be made, more going to be made in this country. And, you know, I'd like to see that in, in Alabama, you know, preferably in my district, um, uh, but really anywhere. Um, I'd love to see, um, um, <clears throat> I'd love to see us moving more and more towards uh, um, renewable energy to, to power our homes and our businesses. Again, we have plenty of sunlight. We have a good bit of wind, especially in the Gulf of Mexico, where, you know, we could, we, I think, we could uh, generate a good deal of electricity through turbines. Um, so I, I really think we need to be moving in those directions and looking for jobs to bring in jobs that, um, um, that meet the needs of the green economy. Right. I think that's important what you, what you brought up because, uh, we talk about climate change and protecting the environment, mm -hmm. usually like in a mm -hmm. national context and what's the right. president going to do, what's Congress going to do, right. but there is a lot that we can do at the state level. Mm -hmm. and there's a mm -hmm. lot that could be done through state legislation, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, inside the state's property and resources, like the state fleet that you mentioned, right. or economic development uh, mm -hmm. that is that is geared in a way that is pro-worker and pro-environment. Right. Uh, and ideally, um, these jobs would be union jobs. I, right. would love to, I would love for that to be the case. Um, um, <clears throat> you know, recently, um, the Congress also passed and the president signed the, the CHIPS Act, uh, to to bring back or to try to bring back uh, uh, semiconductor production in this country, you know that that sort of thing may be more suited to your part of the state where there's so many uh, technical people in the Huntsville area. But you know, I suspect there are, there are folks down this way. Uh, you know, we could attract such jobs. I think I think that'd be a great thing. Uh, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about. Your opponent. Uh, is there anything you you know? And I know you're running a positive campaign, so mm -hmm. you know I'm not mm -hmm. trying to to uh, uh, 
get divisive, but was there anything you wanted to draw out in terms of your contrast with your opponent uh, or your opponent's party in terms of what you stand for and, and how you're campaigning and maybe who's supporting you? Well, I, I have not heard his position on any, um, on any policies. Um, I, I have not. So, you know, I'm assuming that he would pretty much follow his party's line. Uh, basically, whatever the folks, the bosses in Montgomery say, he would do. That, and uh, I do know that a large amount of his money, um, and it is a large amount, I mean, it's tens of thousands of dollars, uh, a large amount of that's come from uh, uh, from uh, business interest and from PACs. There have been some individuals, uh, but, but a large amount from, from PACs and business interest. So far, no PACs have contributed to my campaign. Um, I'm not saying I would reject all of it, but, you know, uh, but um, it's all been individuals for me. Right. So you're running, you know, grassroots, small dollar donations. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have the big wealthy interests that are that are back in your campaign. So, um, you know, you got to scrap to uh, to get some attention and to uh, be able to make an impact in your district. I did receive, Adam, I did receive the endorsement of the AFL-CIO, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, means a lot. Absolutely. Uh, I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that. Uh, this being a labor radio show, the AFL-CIO's endorsement does carry some weight. Yes. Uh, and I think that's a testament to you running on a, a worker first agenda uh, for your district and for the state. Uh, I wanted to ask you. If people are interested, how could they support your campaign? How could they get involved? Um, you know, what are some some ways people could help you out? Um, my website has uh, uh, an option for volunteer. Um, um, it also has my phone number. They can call me or they can email me. Um, uh, my website, also my Facebook page, my well, actually both my personal Facebook and my campaign Facebook page have uh, uh, donate links that will take through Act Blue. Uh, people can also donate by check, uh, you know, payable to the committee to elect Steve Hubbard, and mail to the committee at uh, PO Box 1035, Andalusia, Alabama 36420. So all of those are options. Will be my campaign uh, will be at the Covington County Fair next week. We have a we have a table, and I will be there some um, every day. It'll it'll be uh, Monday through Saturday. I probably won't be there all the time, but um, uh, I'd love for folks to come out. I'm doing some canvassing. Folks may see me around. Hope they do, and. Um, um, so that's uh, that, those are ways to get in touch with me also. Absolutely. So uh, was there anything that we didn't talk about today that you wanted to make sure we discussed or that you want to make sure you uh, mentioned? You, you know, um, since, um, since I have spent the better part of my life in public education, um, I would like to say that I am a, a, very much a supporter of public education. Um, I will never do anything uh, that I believe is going to harm public education. Um, certainly, in favor of the of the um, uh, step increase system that has been put in place for K twelve teachers, I'd like to see that it uh, for higher ed as well in the public colleges and universities. 
uh, or something comparable to it. Um, and, um, you know, I support teachers, their, their right to, to teach. Um, I don't think they should have to, you know, particularly in the upper grades and in college, I don't think they should have to water down uh, what they're teaching. Some, some of our history is not pretty, um, and it should be the truth. And, um, it, I mean, it's just, you know, some of our history is not. Is not really grand and glorious. I wish it were, but uh, much of it is, but but not all of it. So I would certainly support teachers' freedom to teach. Let me mention also state workers. You know, we would not work. We would not function nearly as well as we do as a state without state workers. And um, I spoke um, recently with folks in our local mental health. Uh, department, and they're not officially state workers, though I think some are in the state retirement system. Um, you know, what they do, what the folks at DHR do, um, what the folks in our courthouses do, um, they are absolutely essential. And, and I think we need, to, uh, we need to compensate them fairly and, and make sure that their compensation is on a par with what they would be making in in, uh, in 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 other southeastern states, so I would I would do what I could uh, to to advocate for them as well. I'm glad you brought up both educators and the state employees um, because you are a retiree. You are a member of the retirement systems of Alabama. Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. and based on our conversation today, and based on that fact, I think. Uh, it'd be fair to say we can count on you to defend our defined benefit pe pension plan and, you know, the integrity of yes. the government system. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm glad you used that term defined pension benefit. Uh, we don't need to go to a system where we've lost the defined pension benefit. We don't need this, <laughs> one of these systems that's totally dependent on the stock market or, uh, you know, what is it, a, a, I know there's been talks, you know, in years past about a 401k and. Thank you. That's what yeah. I was trying to think of. I, was, I could think of 401, but I couldn't think of the, <laughs> of the letter of the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I mean, that's fine, it seems to me, as a supplement. But, um, you know, as a, as a uh, guaranteed retirement for folks who often, you know, spent 25 or 30 years or more uh, working uh, in a in a state related occupation, they they need that defined uh, that defined uh, pension. Absolutely, it's it's a part of the benefits package. It's part of the compensation package. Uh, most folks who go to work for public school systems or the state, they're not making much money. Uh, they're typically right. making, you know, especially those who are college educated are often making less than their private industry counterparts. But as right. you know, part of the the deal there is that they can retire with dignity and know mm -hmm. the day they retire how much their benefits going to be. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's important that we have people in the legislature who are going to uh, champion those retirees. Uh, fight to improve their benefits, uh, you know, as as possible, yeah. and but but certainly to defend the integrity of the system and and defeat any attempts to uh, funnel money out of the retirement system or change that defined benefit. Yes, yes, I totally agree. Totally agree. 
Uh, well, Steve, thank you so much for your time and, and certainly for your service in education all those years, uh, stomping out ignorance. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Um, and uh, thank you. Uh, I'll tell you what, if I've had st- I, I had a few students that, that, that uh, you know, you probably would, would, would remind me of, and those were the really good students. I would, um, uh, the, those are the students I remember, the, re- the really good students. And I'm sure if you had been my student, I would re- have remembered you. Uh, remembered you well. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, there's something about being an educator and seeing that light bulb go off in a student's head. And oh, yeah. There's just oh, nothing yeah. quite like that. Um, and I, mm-hmm. think, uh, mm-hmm. I think educators are uniquely positioned to uh, serve as candidates because you organize things every day. You deal with chaos mm-hmm. every day. Um, That's true. And you deal with diverse people every day uh, and moving Mm -hmm. towards common goals. Uh, So, so Steve, thank you for your service and education. Thank you for being willing to step up as a political candidate. And thank you for uh, spending some time with the Valley Labor Report today. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I truly appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely.